Hello, everyone. My name is Kevin Howard, and welcome to SNJ Today's podcast, South Jersey Stories, where we get beneath the surface of the news stories and topics we're still talking about. With me is Ahmed Graveziel, a reporter of our SNJ Today newspaper. He just met with Chaplain Joe Benarski, aka Chaplain Joe, and learned about his past life as a member of the Ku Klux Klan. He shares his story of hate and love in the most recent issue of SNJ Today's newspaper. The following interview was conducted at the Beth L. AME Church in Millville in January 2017. Jeff Swachter, SNJ Today's chief content editor, was also involved in this interview. All right, Ahmed. So, my first question is just how did you find this story? <clears throat> the story found me, I, I have to say. The story found me. Uh, long story short, I had a flat tire. While I was at work at SNJ Today, I was leaving work. I saw that I had a flat tire. Uh, it wasn't too bright, but I tried to drive to the Wawa down the street to pump up the tire, <laughs> but I didn't quite make it there. I ended up at Chow's Buffet. So I was at Chow's Buffet. I decided to call AAA for assistance, of course, and I decided to eat there because I'm like, hey, if I'm going to be stuck somewhere at a restaurant, I might as well fill the belly. So in the meantime, uh, this gentleman uh, this gentleman can, comes up to me. I was wearing an SNJ Today jacket. So he says, oh, do you work at SNJ Today? And I said, yes, I do, sir. Uh, come to find out, he was at the accident scene where Kara McCollum had gotten into an accident a few years prior. So he showed me some pictures and told me a little story. He was an investigator at that time. And it was a pretty interesting experience. Uh, he was very uh, very open to just come up to me mm-hmm. and tell me that little story. So I'm sitting in the booth. He walks away, I'm sitting in the booth. Then I go up to, uh, I go up to the, uh, what do you call that place? The place where you where you pay the, Cash the register. register. Yeah, thank you. They uh, and uh, they were very nice to me because I felt like I was there for a very long time. Um, I love Triple A, but sometimes they take a long time. <clears throat> so I was talking about my car, and the gentleman, the same gentleman who walks up to me, uh, who walked up to me previously, said, "Oh, is that your tire?" And I said, "Yes." He parked next to me. So we had another uh, little conversation, and then I went back to the booth with the with the guidance and the help of Chow's Buffet. They allowed me to stay there and wait. So then the gentleman comes back to me and he says, "By the way, I have a story to tell you." And I say, "I said, what's that, sir?" And he said, "I was a former KKK member, and I now work at." a church and I'm a security guard for an African American pastor and I said um, can you repeat that sir and he said the story again I said here's my card uh, this sounds like a story so basically gave him my card he actually ended up helping me when AAA came as well he was a very nice fellow but it's a very intriguing story and that's pretty much how that got started he was very open about his past life. Very open. Was that surprising to you? No. Because initially, since since he first came up to me and told me all that, I wasn't surprised that he got in depth later because it appeared as though that he really wanted the story to be told. And 
by the grace of the universe, I was there when that happened. By the grace of the flat tire. Uh, why do you think he wanted his st- story to be told? That's a good question. Um, one of the reasons why I, I believe he wants his story to be told is because I think he's he's still struggling with his past. And he he's repenting. In his mind, he's repenting every single day. But he also wanted people to know about how bad the Ku Klux Klan is and organizations like that. They're just not good. So he, he doesn't want he doesn't want young people to fall into the same path that he had went to. And he just wants to share he wanted to share his story about where he is now and it's all about love. Um so while you were interviewing Joe, was there anything that stood out to you? Well, he's like six foot six, like three hundred something pounds. So uh, that stood out. Um, just telling telling me about uh, some history of the Ku Klux Klan and telling me a little bit about some of the history in Cumberland County regarding the Ku Klux Klan. That that was kind of. I'm not even going to say it was an eye opener. It wasn't really surprising. However, him being him talking about that, it was it was definitely intriguing, for lack of a better word. I'd like to say that uh, this was definitely a a challenging interview for me personally, because what I like to do is when I interview a subject, I like to do research on everything that I can so I could be as truthful and have the story of very meaty. Um, so I had to do some research on the Ku Klux Klan. I had to look at some of their history, and I had to look at some of the things that they have done, which uh, being an individual of African descent and knowing what they did to some of my ancestors, um, it was a little bit painful. It was a little bit painful. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, to see this man, what he had done previously, and to see him change. Like, it's not up to me to forgive him, but I can say that I love the brother, mm-hmm. and he loves me as well. Was it emotionally draining or spiritually draining? It was. I had to put up my spiritual force field because it was draining. That Like, doing the research, listening to some of the stories that he, he told me as well. Um, yeah, it was spiritually draining, but it, it need, this story needs to be told. So we can all understand that we are all brothers and sisters and that we should all love each other and help each other and unite instead of being divided. joined the Ku Klux Klan? I joined when I was 18 years old. 18? Yeah, I was back in 87. What compelled you to join the Klan at 18? Well, when I was younger, at the age of 14, there was a gentleman 
that had a Confederate flag down the street from where I lived at. I lived in the projects, way east apartments. And um, I was just getting into photography. My parents had brought me a 35 millimeter camera. Um, so I approached this gentleman and asked if I could take a picture of his flag because I was fascinated with American history. And I thought it was unique, it stood out. I said, why would there be a Confederate flag in New Jersey? And at Wade East? Yeah, down the street from Down me. the street. And I said, how? And, and little did I know that this person was a KKK member. Now, he had children that were my age. So I became friends with them, and they kind of like took me in. I didn't have a close relationship with my father, um, so I spent a lot of time with this family. So like I tell other people that I speak to, this is when the brainwashing process started. Brainwashing. What was a, what was a part of the brainwashing process? Well, part of the brainwashing process is that you could be proud of your race. Uh, we're a family atmosphere. So I spent a lot of time there with the family because he had children that were my age. So, you know, uh, went over ate dinner, spent the night a lot of, spent a lot of time. And my parents were unaware of this, you know. Um, even though my parents were good parents, they, they worried about where we were. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't wander in neighborhoods. They always knew where we were. Uh, so they started to feed me um, literature about the Klan. Um, about its history, about uh, what it was about. Um, now, at first, the, the hatred... They, they, they left that hatred. out, right? Yeah, they left that out until... I, I really didn't experience the hatred until I became a member at the age of 18. So basically, you you were being, quote-unquote, brainwashed for four years. Yes. And that's a process that uh, happens in all the gangs. I think the brainwashing process, uh, you know, uh, they're looking for a sense of belonging, you know, because the parents aren't um, spending a lot of time with their children nowadays. Back then, you know, it was a little bit different, you know, but but nowadays the the children uh, run in the streets doing what they want. They're busy working. They don't have time for the children. So these children are looking for a sense of belonging. Uh, so they join these gangs like the Crips and Bloods and mm-hmm. the Latin Kings, uh, MS-13, you know. And we have all these gangs that are here local. Now. In Millville. Yeah, <laughs> That's in crazy. Millville. Um, to go back a little bit, what was your parents' occupation for, for you to be living in, in Wade East? Uh, well, occupations. My, my father lived, well, my father worked at uh, Kirk Glass. This was back when Wade East was still nice. <laughs> <laughs> And my mother was just a caretaker, took care of the house and the housewife. And so, what what was the the orientation process? Like, I, did you have to? Okay, you were eighteen, and then you you officially joined the clan. Yeah, officially joined. The, filled out an application. You um, had to fill out an application. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you ever heard of anybody getting denied? Uh, 
Yes. Yeah? Yeah. I know I'd probably get denied. Yeah. It had to be of a European descent. How do they check that? Well, today they check it through DNA, but back then it was just your, your ancestry records. You know, you had to provide have some kind of proof of what, what country you were from, you know, what European countries you were from, you know. You, you could have been mixed with anything. You could have been, you know, you could have been Jewish or Catholic or, you know. Back back in the day, the claim didn't accept Catholic. Right, right, or Jews. Mainly like European, you know, like Ireland and uh, England, you know, countries like that. Any, any kind of... Uh, the claim was was started uh, as an organization, uh, as an American organization. It was supposed to be a patriotic organization. Uh, actually, started in 1865 in Pulaski, Tennessee, in a law office where five Confederate soldiers uh, met and, and started it. And then they nominated General Nathan Bedford Forrest, which was a general that. in the and, and the Tennessee Cavalry, uh, Tennessee uh, Army, uh, and he he was nominated to be the first national leader. And then there's a misconception about General Forrest. He seen that the, the violence that was starting because after the Civil War they rode in white sheets and stuff because uh, a lot of the people thought that they, they were the ghost of the dead Confederate soldiers coming back, you know, to, to taunt the, the African-Americans that were just recently free from slavery. Mm-hmm. But he he uh, actually disbanded the Klan uh, a year or so after it started. Um, and then, uh, well, maybe it been a few years, and then it was a revival of the Klan in the, uh, 1915 by Joseph William Simmons and that's when the Klan grew into its largest membership was probably uh, I'm just guessing maybe 7 million, 8 million members you know they had Warren G. Harding which was the president uh, they were swearing people in the White House and <laughs> there was governors and mayors and everybody was involved in it. Right. So, and then, uh, then that died in the, uh, after early 30s and, and then it was splinter groups. Uh, well, I say during the civil rights era, one of the biggest clans was the United Clans of America. Robert Shelton was the Imperial Wizard. He got sued by a black woman. Uh, they had killed one of her relatives, and she uh, sued uh, the United Clans of America, and they successfully won the case. And that was probably the last big organized clan was back in during the Civil Rights era. I mean, the Klan has always existed. It still exists today. Yeah, we see that. It operates here in New Jersey still. Um, How big is it in New Jersey? I would probably say anywhere from here locally in the tri-state area, maybe 5,000 members. Wow. They, uh, see, when when I left the Klan, you have to understand that the Klan has operated and ran on a scale like our United States government ran. So when I uh, called for a meeting 
and met with the supportive board members, my vice president was against it and did not attend that meeting. And he now runs the clan here uh, in New Jersey, so so it still it still operates. Uh, matter of fact, I was recently called a few years ago to testify for the state of New Jersey, where he had moved from city to city and forgot to put that he was a clan member on his gun permit application. I testified that he was a member of the clan. They denied him his permit, so he's not allowed to buy any kind of. Uh, ammunition, even though he still has his gun permit, he can't buy ammunition. You have to say that you're a Ku Klux Klan member. Well, whenever you apply for a gun permit or anything like that, they ask you on the application, are you a member of any organization that would have a conflict with the Constitution or the government? He can still get ammunition from his boys. Yeah, well, he had a stockpile anyway. So he, he had <laughs> Just makes it a pain. He had he had thousands and thousands and thousands of rounds of ammunition in his house. I mean, yeah. it probably he had a whole room that was full of guns and you know. And, and so the, the five thousand members, what do they what do they what do they want to do? You know, what do they what do they? Well, the well the agenda today is they preach or they 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 teach publicly that they. They see the clan today. They've changed their stand as far as uh, publicly. They they say, "Oh, we're we're just proud of who we are. We're just proud of our race." We encourage other people to be proud of the race, but behind closed doors, it's about hatred. You know, what I'm saying the clan is a hate organization and always will be a hate organization no matter how much they sugarcoat it and try to make it look like like my my friend David Duke well he's not a friend of mine but he used to be an associate of mine down in Louisiana I don't know where I think he's hiding in Russia now from the <laughs> government but, you know he he he's a good candidate for, for powder sugarcoating you know all we're just European Americans, and we want to be proud of who we are. You know what I'm saying? But behind closed doors, I guarantee him and Don Black, which run Stormfront, the largest uh, forum on the internet, uh, are they? They preach hatred behind closed doors. You know what I'm saying? So the the appearance that I I put on in public was one thing, but then behind closed doors, you know. I hated everybody. I hated it, even included myself. And how did you take that out? Well, it wasn't until I had a supernatural encounter with Jesus on a, on a hot summer night in July of 2015. I was watching the 700 Club, and Pat uh, was on there, and he was talking. And Pat Robertson? Yeah, he was, he was a, he did, this was a pre-recorded show, so he had, he had a vision from God, and he says, there's a clan leader out there, he's going to be indicted, he's not happy with his life. He's a guy probably going to go to prison for the rest of his life or end up dead. So he was talking to me, you know. Uh, I was just convicted. See, I went to church. My mom made us go to church when we were kids, so I knew what the Bible said, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I knew it was wrong. You know, what? most of the time when you join these hate groups, it's all about a power trip, you know what I'm saying? About, about power, you know, about power over other people. See, when you live outside of not knowing Jesus, you have that hatred. We're all born with it. 
And, and God took that hatred, that heart that was full of hatred, and gave me a heart full of his love. Now, that night when I uh, gave my heart to Jesus, God healed me instantly and took the hatred away uh, that I had towards other people of other cultures and races. But then I had to learn how to adapt and coexist, you know what I'm saying, to deal with these people on a daily basis. And that, that took time. You don't go to bed one night singing Kumbaya yeah. you know, and, 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 and wake up the next morning singing Kumbaya with everybody. You don't wake, you know what I'm saying, you don't go to bed at night and, and do that. It's a process, so you have to learn, you know what I'm saying? Right. So the Bible tells us that when we become born again, we become new creatures. All things are passed away and all things are, are new. So so I, I started a new journey, so I had to reprogram my mind by reading the Word of God. You know what I'm saying? How I am who I am today. If you would have knew me back then, I would have shot you and your kids and your, your wife and thought nothing of it and slept a good night's sleep. That's, that's just kind of person I was. I was a very nasty person. Um, now I'm a very loving and gentle uh, person. Most people that are involved in hate groups like the Klan, hate themselves, and, and they have hatred within them. Now I grew up in, in the project, so uh, what, what fueled that, that anger and that hatred was there was two boys that I grew up with, and, and we would fight every day when we get off the bus. And I, that, that fueled my anger. Uh, I was just telling the pastor. Uh, they were African-Americans? Yes. And, and that, I was just telling the pastor that he gets his hair cut. One of the guys is a, a barber here locally, and, and I'm good friends with him now, one, one of the boys, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, that fueled the anger, you know what I'm saying, towards the African-American race, plus what the Klan embedded into my brain for four years before. What did they say about African-Americans? Well, that, that they were they were less than human they were you know what I'm saying they were no good they were they, they weren't they weren't of God you know uh, you know not nonsense if you actually sit down and think about it you right. know what I'm saying yeah. <laughs> you know but they, they actually get people to believe they, they hated black people they think that they should have still been in, in slavery I, I was just listening to the chat the other day on the internet and they, they really hate the fact that I'm I go to an African-American church and I'm a bodyguard and security for, for a black man, you know what I'm saying? It burns them up. They can't, they, they, can't, they can't comprehend it. They got so much hatred, you know what I'm saying? They don't see that we all bleed the same color blood, you know, that we're all members of the human race, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Not recently they haven't threatened me, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask you, are you... Were you fearful of, of any repercussions that may occur from anyone, uh, any former fellow, uh, former fellow clans member? Well, there was a bomb threat. Um, one one night I'm at home and my wife was in church. Uh, we lived in Millville and our church was in Vineland, and they called and they said there's a bomb on your car. We rigged your car up. So I called my wife. I said, don't get nowhere near the car. Call the police and stay away from the car. Kind of find out there was a pipe bomb underneath the car. So, yeah. So uh, what, When was that? See, I started going 
probably somewhere, I, I don't know, maybe 2000. So we got married in September 2008, so it would have been around maybe nine, somewhere around 2009, maybe 2010, probably nine, because I had surgery in 2010. Yeah, and they make threats, you know what I'm saying? Like the person that was my bodyguard was also a member of a local motorcycle gang that I belonged to. And he he was Robert uh, Woodward. He's dead now. He died. But I met him in a parking lot, and uh, my wife was with me. And uh, he always carried a knife and a gun with him. So he was, he, we were going to fight. We were going to fight right there in the parking lot. And then my wife started praying. And I said, Lord, you got to take care of this matter. So God diffused it. I went up to him. I said, look, I said, you can think what you want to think. You know, you can do what you want to do. I said, but I don't, I'm not going to fight you. I said, the Lord fights my battles. I said, I do all my fighting on my knees in prayer. Like something humbled him. You know, something came over him. I don't know if it was a fear that came over him or, or, or what, but whatever happened, you know, I, I never seen him back down from fighting, you know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. And he was a big guy like me, and he was a captain in the, in the motorcycle gang, the Outlaws. So that was pretty neat. Now, when I when I first joined the clan, uh, a few years after I joined, in the early '90s, me and another member, we joined the Invisible Empire. That's the oldest clan group in America. And then we seen that they weren't running things the way that they were supposed to run things, and by the Quran, which is the laws and bylaws of the, of the clan. Say that again. The the Koran. The Koran? Yeah. I don't, I don't know the correct spelling. I, I have a copy of it at the house. But, uh, so so we challenged them. Interesting. So we told them they didn't like the fact that we challenged them, the fact that they were, they were meeting and getting drunk and, you know, not, not, you know, not doing what they're supposed to do. So they, they told us that we could go on our way. So they were going to kill us then. So, so the Nighthawk, the security officer, thought it was wrong that they were going to kill us, try to kill us. And uh, he went to the state police, and the state police asked him if he would wear a wire. So he, he wore a wire, and they started an investigation. And they had enough evidence that they convicted them all. They all did, the, the, I think the Green Dragon one did five years in state prison. They all got convicted, you know what I'm saying? Plus they threatened a boy that was in school, and one of the members was a school teacher. Um, so they, they got in trouble for that. You think I would have learned my lesson and, and not pursued you know, the direction I was going in? So before when you said uh, you, know, you were really angry and asked, how did you take it out? I meant like, how did you... How did you get that out? How did you... Well, we, we committed acts of violence towards people um, because of the statute of limitation on some things. I, I can't discuss things that happened, but I have to live my life knowing that I probably physically, well, not probably, I did physically order people to be hurt physically and, you know, uh, cross 
houses burnt on people's lawns. Uh, I, I can't believe that I was that person at one time, you know what I'm saying? But I, but I had to live my life, the rest of my life, knowing that, that, that I've hurt people, you know what I'm saying? Behind closed doors, he teaches hatred. To, to teach separation of the human race is, is a form of hatred. And he's a pastor. Now, pastors are going to be held more accountable right. <laughs> on Judgment Day. You know, he doesn't, I'm sure he knows that. And I address him. I said, Pastor Rob needs to ask God for forgiveness. And, you know, I said, because for him to teach that the white race is better than anybody else is, is, is sin. Sin, sin. You can't teach, you can't preach separation. You know what I'm saying? Where's that? Bible. Uh, well, the, the Bible, in, in John, it tells, First John, uh, first, second, and third chapters, it tells us how we're to love our neighbors. Right, mm-hmm. that's what I'm uh, saying. How we're to love, uh, you know, yeah. it doesn't, it's not in the Bible. Uh, he's, he's talking, he, they're probably basing it on the Tower of Babel, where God, um, where, where they spoke different languages, and then God spread the Israelites all over because they wanted to be like the other people, you know what I'm saying? That's probably where they're getting the segregation and all that, you know what I'm saying? Because up to that, the Israelites were were segregated people, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, but, but they're not. The white race isn't God's chosen people. The God's chosen people are the Israelites, you know what I'm saying? It was just called exactly. the Bible. So, and then, and then you got skinheads, and then you got neo-Nazism, and you got... How is that all linked in today's? Because there's a lot of media about Well, they're, they're not... The, the Klan should never have associated itself with, with neo-Nazism. My father fought in World War II against the Nazis and was missing in action for 14 days in Normandy, France. It's another big hypocrisy. Yeah, hypocrisy. they're... they're they they just they believe in national socialism and they believe in that 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 the Nazi Party the the rules of the Nazi Party and the, the, which is hatred they want to do away with everybody that's not of the pure race you know what I'm saying what Hitler thought was uh, the blue-eyed blonde you know what I'm saying and the funny thing is that he wasn't blue-eyed blue or blonde himself no he was a very confused individual if you read about him <laughs> Uh, he suffered with depression and all kinds of stuff. Um, I think he was actually a madman, if you ask me, by reading everything I've read about Hitler. I think he probably was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, how could you exterminate all those people? Over, exactly. over six million Jews, you know what I'm saying? And then go, go over there. I, I went over there to, to Poland, where one of the biggest camps was, you know what I'm saying? And see all those shoes and see all those, you know, pocketbooks. And they would even cut their hair off, stuff, the piles of hair, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's just terrible. When did you go there? Uh, probably in 2000, uh, right after 2013. Uh, uh, why did you go there? Well, it's, it's my native land, Poland. Okay. Uh, but I wanted to go to that, that, that concentration camp. Looks like it had a profound effect on you. Yeah. Um, so to go back, you said that you used to order people... Uh, you used to order people to to hurt people and burn crosses. 
So, what was your role as a member of the organ of the Ku Klux Klan? Well, for years I was their state leader, which is a grand dragon. It's funny how how the Lord works. I got saved in July of 2005. Um, backslid in 2006. Back. Yeah, backslid. Like I turned my back on God. I was still a member of the clan. I didn't shut the clan down until March 27th of 2007. So, in the process, I was a, a state leader, a Grand Dragon. In September of 2006, the national leader seat opened up because the Imperial Wizard passed away, and I was encouraged to run for office, and I ran for office and won. You so, won. Yeah, so the, what the devil intended for bad, God used for good, because with that power, it gave me power to shut down all operations in the 18 states that we were operating in and the 20,000 members that we had, uh, I would say 25% of the membership left with me when I resigned my position. Really? So yes. you, you were able to use your power to almost decimate? Yes. The clans actually. The clans never operated in Cumberland County on a level, or even here in South Jersey. You don't even hear them. You hear them doing leaflet. They, they take the plastic bags and put the literature in it, and they put a rock in it to weigh it down and throw it on people's lawns like the, like the morning paper, but they don't, have, <laughs> they don't have any courage to come out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? In Cumberland County, you said? Yeah, or, or, or New Jersey, period. I haven't heard of them yeah. of, of a rally. You know, we were, we were in a process before I resigned my position. We were in a process of, of having a big rally in Hamilton, New Jersey. We were actually having the debates back and forth before well, we were going to the public meetings and they were telling us we needed this and we were telling them we didn't need that and we didn't need insurance and we didn't, you know, they said we had to get a $2 million policy for insurance and it was unconstitutional and we challenged them. We'll go, we'll go to court if you want to go to court, you know, that they seen that was wrong and we were going to win. So that um, we, we called off that rally. We called off, we were heading to Hazleton, Pennsylvania, where there was a big issue going on with the mayor there. We were going to go there. So, And, and representing Cumberland County? Uh, representing the Klan on a national level. That's See, what you have to realize is the Klan was a secret organization. Um, without saying too much, uh, there were high officials in, in Cumberland County that were members of the Klan, uh, police chief, judges, uh, lawyers, doctors, um, you know, people that were, which had power, you know, here in, in the local government, you know what I'm saying? Do you think that's still a... That still exists today in Cumberland um, County? No, I, I believe that most of the old timers have retired. I think they're still a little bit, but not on the level it was. Uh, we're talking judges on a Supreme Court, I mean, on a Superior Court level in New Jersey, uh, police officers, uh, lawyers, you know what I'm saying? People that were here locally, you know, that. Uh, a percentage of these members, uh, I would say, a percentage of the members here statewide, on the on the almost everybody left on on the national board, 
almost everybody left on the state level when I when I resigned my position. When I signed, when I sent you them letters, when I signed mm-hmm. them, when I post dated them and said effective midnight, those members left with me uh, and and uh, are living normal lives now. You know what I'm saying? Not all of them are Christians, but uh, but, but that they're living a happy life. You know, they're not living that life of hatred that they, they lived at one time. So actually you helped them to see the light. You you brought them into the light, so to speak. Well, God, I believe God um, brought them into the light. Yeah, but God used me to, to, to tell them, you know, to show them that this is the life we should be living, you know. We're either going to bed or we're going to end up in prison or something's going to happen to us that ain't good, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, like where I live at, like I, that's an appointment. Like how can I live in a place like that? That the people, people respect me because of the position I hold now. You know what I'm saying? They can honestly see that I changed my life. You know, um, that's what people want to see when people make corrections in their lives. People want to see that. They do good. You know, people they were skeptics when I first when when it first happened, but now it's been March twenty seventh, two thousand seventeen will be ten years. Ten years. That's like what you were saying earlier, you had to adapt. Like you couldn't just yeah. go to sleep one day being a uh, Ku Klux Klan and hatred it, person and, and then a, love and the next a, day. Uh, and it's a process every day to deal with people, to become a better person. And the love that I'm talking about that God gives us when he takes that heart that's hardened is a, it's called an adopted love that only adopted love. love it's a three types of love and adopted is a love that God only can give you that, that no other no other people on the earth obtain this love if you look up in the, the different loves that the, the Bible talks about and a copy love is the love that God gives us that, that we're capable of loving other people see outside of the love of God we're not capable of loving others the way that we should love right see we were designed to have fellowship with God you know what I'm saying and, and then sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve, and now we have sickness, and we have sin, and we have uh, diseases, we have all kinds of depression, you know, you name it, all those bad things, we hatred, you know, all that stuff's of the devil. It's not good. It's the light, the light always conquers darkness. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? You know, I wanted to go back to see what one thing that that's what African-Americans were fearful of when you were talking about like the Klan. There were Klan members that were judges, that were cops, lawyers. So it's like um, I I don't want to speak for everybody, but it's like they would feel that, you know, the the law was set up against them, that they couldn't get an equal right. Well, there still is the law. There's still like prejudice. Look at these cops. How quick they are to shoot young black men, you know what I'm saying? Right. I'm sure it happens, vice versa, you know what I'm saying? But, you know what I'm saying? They're always made, I feel that the African American uh, 
race was made to feel that they're still third class citizens, that they're not they're not equal to but see the Bible says that we are all created in the image of God. All of us. Even the slave owners and all that, the people, how could you like how can you say that? How can our founding fathers feel that they're more important than the African American people? And when the Bible tells us that we're all created in the image of God. All, right. All. all not not one, not two, all. It's interesting. Um going back a little bit again, uh did being in the clan make you feel special and important? Did it make you feel powerful? Yeah. Like, like you had a yeah, purpose. Yeah. 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 Like I told you, it's about a power trip. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Having that authority, you know, to make to, to make orders and for things to happen. When in fact, it, it was all it's stupid because the Bible teaches that whoever is first will be last in the kingdom of God. So, like, I'm kind of humble now. I consider myself last because I want to be first. You know what I'm <laughs> I live a very humble lifestyle now. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I have enough to, to live comfortably. You know what I'm saying? I've had riches and I've been poor. And I've seen both ends, you know. And Once again, did, did you did you enjoy being in the clan? Uh, at that time, I mean, because you were there, for, you were in there for a long time. Yeah, I, I guess I did. I, I, I guess I enjoyed living the life of sin. Because <laughs> 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 I have to think of it from from a, a Christian aspect when I look back on it now. You know what I'm saying? Right. So yeah, yeah. We, I, I, I think they, they we all enjoy living in sin, you know, trying to not living a godly life, you know, like we're intended to live. But, uh, yeah, yeah, like I said, a power trip, you know, a lot of money involved with it. But, uh, what do you mean? Well, because there are people paid dues, you know what I'm saying? Plus, I got I got a salary, you know what I'm saying? If you want to think of it as a salary, just like the President of the United States gets, you know, everybody gets paid for doing something. Mm-hmm. So, so I lived a, a pretty good lifestyle. What was your salary? Well, I, w- I wouldn't call it a salary, but but I I I drove around in a Bentley and had a, a six hundred fifty thousand dollar home out in Pittsburgh Township. How much? Six hundred fifty thousand dollar home in Pittsburgh Township. Uh, I was a general contractor too, so like I, I made a, I, I built houses all my life, you know what I'm saying? So I, I made good money doing that, you know what I'm saying? But, so most of your customers involved in the clan or had nothing to do with it really? Uh, no, a lot of people, a lot of people didn't even know yeah. that we were in the clan. Like I would make public appearances once a year or something. You know, we would have a signing of a prayer petition in front of the post office or something like that, or you know, what I'm saying something small. So you got to realize that only the only the top ranking officials were, were publicly known. Most of most of the everyday members and the people that were below, it was like that, that's where our power was and our secrecy, not people not knowing who we were. So I happened to actually be told, and because of the incident where we we were fighting with the, the rival clans early on, I, I publicly became known. So that was the invisible, the invisible, uh, the invisible empire. empire. Yeah, it's the Invisible Empire. Just, that's the original plan. Uh, so you you were kind of known in circles for your fighting against them. Yeah, we we had like the Imperial Wizard J W Farron, which I don't even think he's alive anymore. He gave the orders. Um, 
to, to have us to have us rubbed out. And Joseph P. Dope was the grand dragon at the time. Uh, he, he lived up in uh, Clayton, not far from here. Yeah. Yeah. The national. Uh, that was a state office. That's state. J.W. Barron's lived in uh, Connecticut, and he moved down to North Carolina where he retired, which I found out from the Southern Poverty Law Center that he was shooting his mouth off somewhere, and they sued him, and now they own the incorporation papers for the Invisible Empire. <laughs> That's one. Why were why were clan members fighting other clan members? I mean, it, it made sense because yeah. if it's a hate group, then we're going to hate other people. There, there's always inner fighting in every kind of organization sure. or, sure. you know what I'm saying, or look at our United States government, <laughs> Democrats, Republicans, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Okay. So there's always, a, there's always, you know, one thinks they're better than somebody else, you know what I'm saying? Right. Now there's probably, there's probably a handful of splinter groups in America, you know, that are probably... Don't, don't amount to anything. I, I don't think they have any uh, big membership, you know what I'm saying? Uh, probably the last threats I received was a few years ago from the Northern and Southern Knights. They're out west somewhere. Actually, um, my vice president that remained in the Klan is now working with them. I don't, just to show you how much I think about him, I forgot what his name is. <laughs> Is that tattoo on your hand? Yeah, that's a KKK. For some reason, it reminds me of like a royal arch. Almost. I got tattoos on my body. Are you ever going to get rid of them? Well, or are you going to keep them as a reminder? I use them as educational purposes. They are. You weren't. You weren't in the. Let me show you. Let me, <laughs> let me show you something. And I. That those few documents that I I sent you, you know, I, I saved those for educational purposes, and then I burned the rest of the stuff. My robe was burnt. I said all the documentation applications were burnt. Burnt? That you burned them, or they just burned in a fire? Or something? No, we burnt. We burned. Okay. We burned them in the fireplace. It's kind of like a cleansing. Yeah. Now, I read that you attempted a, a couple of rallies and to have a couple of clan rallies in Millville. I rem- actually, I remember like being in college at, at 93. I don't know if you were part of that one. Um, but it was supposed to happen, but then like people rallied against it, so to speak. Uh, well, were, you, were you a part of that? It was, it was supposed to. Well, there was one here that was supposed to take place, and then... Um, they issued a warrant for my arrest. They said I didn't show up for court, which I did show up for court. They just wanted to keep me from having a rally. What do you rem- recall? What year that was? Uh, sometime in the early nineties. Okay. And then we had the rally where it was behind City Hall, and uh, it was a rainy, muddy day. And they were I throwing rem- mud at. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I was. I said, I ain't wearing my robe. I said, you guys wear your robes if you want. I ain't wearing my robe. They ain't throwing no mud at me. So I, I dressed in BDUs. You know what I'm saying? I didn't stick out like the rest of them. They were aiming for the white. But, but a riot almost took off because one of the members was arrested because he had a gun. We all had guns on us. They just didn't. They didn't check us all. You know what I'm saying? But and then and then, and then the, the crowd started to get restless. So they said, "Well, we better end this before we have World War Three here take place behind City Hall, Millville." So the police escorted us back to our cars, and they were angry too. But I, I could hear them behind us. You know what I'm saying? Who was angry? That the, the, the police? Oh, okay. Yeah. They, 
and they, they, and they escorted us out of town. Escorted out of town. <laughs> that, that year? We had a police escort out of town. Um, I don't. Well, because there was a there was a couple of them. So that was the Invisible Empire. Okay. Uh, and that was early nineties. Uh, yeah. Like when they escorted you out of town, like they they took you to to city limits. Yeah, they like, took us to city limits. And, you know, make sure we were nobody was following. Us. <laughs> <laughs> he has this one picture that that I sent to you, where he's in the back. He he's in the Klan rally. Wait, everybody else is wearing uh, robes. Yeah, and he's wearing his robe. I never blue. wore my robe out in public. I thought it was for ceremonial purposes only, if we were swearing somebody in or something. Plus, I had too much money invested in it. It was a satin robe, a gold satin robe with pearl, with a purple, you know. Uh, it was a beautiful robe. Like a pearl in it, you mean? It had, well, no, it, it, was, it was gold, and it had purple, it had five purple stripes, uh-huh. five purple stripes on the bottom, and it had a... Because of your ranking? Yeah. And, um... It was just a beautiful road. It was nice. I hate yeah, to get dirty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or mud, though. It's hard to get that dry cleaned. And you said you were the Imperial Wizard. Yeah, that's a national leader. In September 2006 until March 2007, 27, of 2007, I was Imperial Wizard, national leader. We, we operated in 18 states. Most of the money we took after... Because it was considered blood money, I thought. You know what I'm saying? It was like, it was, it was like the person that betrayed um, Jesus, Judas. 30 pieces of silver, you know? So, so like, we donated the money to, like, local churches and stuff. Just took it in and dropped it in the offering plates, you know? Nobody ever knew that all That's awesome. the money. I, I'm, talking, I'm talking, like, a lot of money. I can't say how much, but... Don't need that IRS to come after me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you you spoke about it briefly earlier, but what was the specific event that changed your way of thinking and gave you the impetus to leave the clan? Well, God has always been dealing with my heart. You know what I'm saying? Because remember, I told you my mom would make us go to church when we were children. So I I knew that it was wrong, you know what I'm saying? Deep down. And, yeah, and, 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 and after God dealing with me for a number of years, you know, I, I just gave in, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like a, it's part of conviction when the Holy Spirit moves and convicts somebody of doing something. The Holy Spirit convicts people of things after they become a Christian, you know what I'm saying? Like you have a conscience, like you feel guilty right. doing what you're doing. Back then, I didn't have a conscience, but now I do. Um, so, with a lot of groups and organizations, once you make an oath to be to become a part of them, it's hard to get out. Um, how did your former fellow members react when you gave them your resignation? Well, they were angry. The, the vice president, he, he held a press conference the next day, and he sent me this nasty email saying, oh, I thought we agreed that you were going to let us use the corporation papers. You know, we were going to continue using the name here, you know, in each state. And I had a change of heart. Like, I had a, a phone conversation with him briefly before midnight and uh, he, he kind of like threw around the idea that he was gonna I was gonna let him do it but in general uh, 
I'm still intrigued about that the event. I mean, like that that what changed? Because that that's that's a you're saying like it was kind of inside you the whole time. Uh, You have a you definitely have a conscience now. Yeah, I guess it did. I seen the things that how people were treated and you know deep down inside and you know I kind of felt bad. You know, had a heart, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, why, why, why are we doing this? You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And then, then we would think about it after we did think, we would think about, you know, why we were doing it. It's all part of hatred. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't even think about doing anything stuff like that now. That's what crazy. You know what I'm saying? Right. Just the, the frame of mind that I was in at the present time. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, that was it, a supernatural encounter with Jesus, that's what changed my life, you know what I'm saying, that's, that's one of the chapters that's going to be in my upcoming show. <laughs> Are you writing the book? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it was supposed to come out years ago, but every time I get ready to publish it, I always write a new chapter. Right, right. You know? It's a continuing story. Yeah, so... Uh, you gotta, you gotta cut it out, and then the next, the next one will be chapter... Well, I think it'll be a bestseller. Just haven't, just haven't did it yet. I've been, uh, been involved here at the church locally, you know. Um, just took on the role of security here for for Bethel. The pastor's wife passed away recently, and the soup kitchen's getting ready to open up at 12, so we... You know, we do this on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from 12 to 2 p.m., so I'm busy doing that, you know. Is that all year round? Yeah. We had a Christmas dinner. We had a Thanksgiving dinner. You know, we feed a lot of people. I mean, like I said, 12 o'clock, if you guys hang around, you'll see people come in and eat. They always serve them. Yeah. They, they eat as many times as they want. You know what I'm saying? That's this awesome. is like a restaurant. We, we, we ain't joking around. That's where I met you, at a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have one final question for, for this interview. Um, what would you tell anyone, especially ch- children or young, young adults, what would you tell them if they had any ideas of joining the clan? I would tell them not to mis- make the same mistake that I made by spending over 20 years of your life wasted on a cause that's going nowhere. Hatred is not good. We, we should love everyone. We should accept people, you know, even though... Um, gay and lesbian people, it's a sin that they're living, but I don't hate those individuals. I love them as people, just like Jesus has them. But we, we should love everybody, and, and they, they should work on goals with the children. They should have a vision for what they want to do in their life, and they should go after that goal and that vision that they have in their life, and to stay in school. And, and to go to college, you know what I'm saying, and make the best out of it they can make themselves and, and not get involved in gangs and hatred. Because those, those gangs are only looking for one thing, you know, and for you to, for you to do their dirty work. Hmm. You know, they don't care about you. They don't, they, don't care about, they don't care about you or anybody, you know what I'm saying? Almost, I, sorry, I do have one. Do you, do you go... Do you go to schools or anything to, to 
teach because you said you use these as an educational tool. Is this just something that you do here with, when you're uh, pastoring, or do you go elsewhere too? Now I have my own private ministry okay. where I I speak in a, at the Violence High School South, Millville. I speak in at the Cumberland County College. I speak at a lot of churches, not as much as I used to. Uh, so whenever the opportunity arises, I, I go out and you know uh, share my testimony. Thanks everyone for listening to SNJ Today's podcast, South Jersey Stories. Find more local news at snjtoday.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.